The verse here is, res is a response. The Lord has asked Peter a question, said, Who do you say that I am? He said, Thou art the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And so the Lord uh, responds to him by saying that you are Peter. Now, in the original Greek, the word Peter here means small stone. And on this rock in the original Greek, the word rock here does not mean small stone. It means huge boulder, big stone. So what the Lord is saying, that Peter, you are small stone, but on this rock, your confession concerning me, upon that, not the person of Peter. The Catholics have got it wrong. Jesus did not build the church on Peter. He built the church on Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this truth, the Lord said, I will build my church. Now we are fellow laborers with him in the construction of his church. But this, this truth is what took the load off my shoulders. Jesus said, I will build my church. So my main aim is to get out of his way and let him build it. Amen? Uh, according to his specifications. Praise God. And then he goes on to say that the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which also gives us an understanding that as the church, we are a militant force. We are an invading force. We don't wait for the enemy to bring the battle to us. We take it to him. Amen. Gates are stationary objects. You don't pull up gates and take them to war. They are where they are. It is that we overcome the intentions of hell itself. Now, that's, that's a, that is a very encouraging truth. The Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell. When my church storms the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Now, I don't know about you, but that comforts me. You know what that is? That's a guaranteed victory if we'll make the effort. Amen. Something I've, I've learned, you know, is the Lord will bless us, but he's waiting for us to make an effort that he can bless. Amen. Do something that the Lord may bless. Praise God. So we see that the Lord is going to build his church, that the church is a militant force in the world, that we have an enemy, and that's not, people are not our enemy. Satan is our enemy. Amen. The gates of hell are that. His intentions, that's what we storm. His works, that's what we through the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome. Praise God. You know somebody that sin has got them in a mess? I have good news for them. There's power in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You don't have, I mean, we covered this a little bit Wednesday night, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34. We out of Deuteronomy, praise the Lord. But the church has been guaranteed victory. All the Lord is waiting on us to do is believe him and make an effort that he can bless and then in uh, the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the Lord's talking about uh, how the church interacts with one another. Now, uh, as I shared with, with the folks in membership orientation, they're going to be, because we're a body, some of you, we don't all drive the same model of car, same make of car. We got some folks that, like, you know, drive a, a, a Ford or a Chevrolet or a, a Toyota or go on down the list of different cars. We don't root all root for the same ball team. Amen. And if you, were, if you were rooting for the Falcons today, you have my sincere sympathies because we're just awful. Anyway, um, we don't, you know, there are a lot of things we don't have in common. And there are going to be times uh, when there are disagreements. I want polka dots. I want stripes. 
How do you get a consensus out of polka dots and stripes? And the Lord says if there's an, a real very serious issue that comes up, this is what he tells us to do. And a lot of times there's strife, the unnecessary strife in the church because when a person gets offended, they'll never go to the person who offended them and say, hey, you hurt my feelings. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. Because what you're doing, you're giving the person an opportunity to ask you to forgive them. But if you don't give them an opportunity to forgive what you do, you destroy. Well, you hear this a lot. Well, I'm big enough. I can forgive them. Yeah, you will until the first opportunity you get to pay them back. And bingo. But when you go to them and say, look, I love you, but what you did, you know, has hurt my feelings. You give that opportunity to that person to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for what I, I love you, and I'm sorry if what I did or said offended you. Please forgive me. And then you are under obligation from the scriptures to say, I forgive you. And it's done. Amen. Now, the Lord says, you know, you go to that person. If they don't hear you, get a couple of brothers. You go to that person. That, don't do it. And we're talking about church folks' relationships here. You take it to the church. And in the 17th verse of the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord says, if he refuses to hear them, the couple of folks you've took with you, Tell it to the church, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, that's what Jesus said. So we see that the church is not only a militant force, uh, but the church has been given the means by which we are to love one another and cooperate with one another. And the church has also been given the responsibility of making judgments. Jesus said, you bring it to the church. Notice what he didn't say. You bring it to Brother Andy. He didn't say that. You bring it to the church. You bring it to the congregation as a whole. There are decisions. I mean, again, like I shared with the folks, serving in the office of senior pastor, I know what my authorities are. I know what my responsibilities are, and my responsibilities far outweigh my authorities. And there are decisions that the Word of God says it's not in my purview to make, but it is in the purview of the congregation as a whole. Amen. So you have an issue where, you know, it's brought before the church. Church prays. Church comes to a consensus. The individual members should say, okay, this is this the way the Lord is leading, and I'm going to submit myself to that. And when you do that, it's all right. So the church congregation possesses authority. Amen. And this is the church that he's building. Acts 2 and 47. I'm going to go down several different uh, issues here. Praising God and having favor with all the people. We all know this from Acts chapter 2. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Now, we took in six new members in the church conference this morning. Well, that's great, wasn't it? Praise God. Hallelujah. But the truth of the matter is, if your name is on the roll book here, uh, that's great. But your name needs to be the roll book in heaven. Amen. There's a possibility we may have some folks on the roll book here that aren't in a position today that they need to be in. They may miss that resurrection. I don't know. But the roll book in heaven is kept. And the Lord is adding to the church, the church. There's only one church. I want, you know, I don't want to offend folks of different denominational flavors and stripes. There's only one church. There's only one membership book for the church, it is located in the New Jerusalem. It is named the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is in that book, congratulations, you're saved. 
and you're just as saved as you're ever going to be, amen, and you are no more or less saved than anybody else whose name appears in that book. Now, the number one purpose in our lives should be, and I'm being a little selfish here, if you don't do anything else in this life, you make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is more important than anything else, any other accomplishment in this life, in this world. The most important thing is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Lord added to the church, the church role. They weren't even keeping a role back then on the day of Pentecost. But in heaven, the role is being kept. And the Lord is adding to the church daily those who were being saved. Praise God. Acts chapter 11, verse number 26. And when he had found him, when Barnabas had found Saul of Tarsus at Tarsus, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The purpose of the church, the church has a teaching ministry, a ministry of instruction. Well, what do we instruct? I don't preach the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I preach out of this book. This is it. Amen. And one of the many ministries of the church, services, when we say ministry, you're talking about service. We're talking about the ministry, the services of the church is to instruct folks in what the Word of God has to say because the Word of God is great. The Word of God teaches me that if I will put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He has promised to save my old wretched hide. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if you want to go on down, if you put the Word of God in context, go to the Old Testament. Read the promises of Abraham, but don't stop there. Go into the New Testament and discover that the church has not only benefited from the promises that God made to Abraham, but because we are in the New Covenant. Praise God. We have a relationship with God based on better promises. And that Old Covenant, the high priest went in once a year behind the curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was called the Holy of Holies. He had a rope around his ankle. If he wasn't right, he dropped dead as a hammer. Amen. They had to had just drug him out and get you a new high priest, put him in there, see how that goes. But you had an opportunity once a year. And he went in and, you know, for the forgiveness of sins. But in the New Covenant, we are all priests. And all that means is that we have an opportunity for ourselves to call on the name of the Lord. And, I, you know, this is something I've shared with y'all for a year, but I am so desperately happy that you don't have to come to me. Amen. I know you're tickled about it. Boy, I am. I don't want to hear it. It ain't none of my business. I feel for Catholics. They're going out in their little closet of a deal. Father, I have sinned. Okay, do 15 Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. They don't work. That's not how our sins get forgiven. You know how your sins get forgiven? Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I have messed up. Praise God. And the immediate response to that prayer is, I have forgiven you. Praise God. You don't have to go. We don't earn it. It's not by works. It's by his grace. Hallelujah. 
You need God. I have good news for you. You believe in Jesus Christ. You a saved person. You find yourself in a situation where you need God. Hallelujah. You don't have to track down Brother Andy on the cell phone or, or, or if I'm out in the yard mowing ground, whatever I'm doing, you have immediate access to the throne of Almighty God in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have access to God immediately. Hallelujah. Praise God. Like I said, it's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord. And I'm glad it is. Acts 12 and 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison. Remember, an old Peter was in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by who? By the church. The church is a place of prayer. Boy, I tell you what, it riled the Lord. What are you, what's he doing over there? Well, he's got some cords that looks like he's weaving them together. I don't know what he's making. But, man, he's, his brow is furrowed. He don't have a good look on his face. And he's talking, we're talking about Jesus. What's he doing? He's make, they didn't know. He's making the whip. Where's he going? He's going to the temple. Why? Because there are money changers there. There are uh, individuals who are in business who have taken the house of God and made it an opportunity for free enterprise and they're selling uh, animals that are not uh, qualified to be offered as sacrifices and they're exchanging money from the different nations as people come into the temple and the Lord said, you know what? I've had enough of it. So he goes by himself, by the way. And with that cord, he drives them out. And you think, well, I'm not too impressed at that. Beloved, you be impressed when he starts flipping 300-pound stone tables over with one hand. My father's house is a house of prayer. You have made it a den of thieves. Get out from him. Praise God. <laughs> I almost want to say, Lord, do it again. But I won't. I won't, go, I won't travel down that road tonight. I may travel down it later, but I won't do it tonight. Lord, do it again. The church is a place of prayer. Peter was in prison. He had been imprisoned. I mean, he was locked up. There was no way from a physical sense that he could rescue himself. But when the church prayed, God answered. When the church prayed, God moved. When the church prayed, the angel came down, opened the doors of the prison, and let Peter out. Amen. And as he made it, where did he go? Well, I think I'm going to go to the Waffle House and get me, you know, some eggs and bacon and grits. No, he didn't. Where did he, he made a beeline to where the church was assembled. <clears throat> Peter was rescued supernaturally, by the way. And he goes, where does he go? He goes to church. When he gets there, what does he find? They're praying. Knocking on the door. Hey, y'all, let me in. This little girl goes to the door and looks, then shuts the door. <laughs> I, I can't wait to ask Peter, man, how'd you feel when that little old girl looked at you and said, uh-oh, and shut the door and run back in? Who is it? It's his angel. No, it wasn't. It's Peter. But, but it, woo, it can't be Peter. He's in prison. It can't be. That's impossible. You reckon? Jesus said all things are possible with God. So they go and finally let him in. And he's like, hey, y'all, it's me. It ain't, you know, it's not no angel, it's me. And they have prayer meeting. 
and they're all rejoicing in the church. I'll take this a step further. And then when Peter got there and led him in prayer, you know what he prayed? Oh, Lord, grant us boldness. I'm paraphrasing here, but Lord, grant us boldness that we can proclaim your gospel. Grant us boldness that we can tell the truth about Jesus to a lost and dying world. And it must have pleased the Lord because the Holy Ghost shook the house when that's what they prayed. Beloved, let me tell you, we get our priorities in line with the Word of God. We get our wants in line with the Word of God, and we pray the Lord will respond mightily. Amen. Acts 14 and 23, this is part of Paul's ministry. So when they had appointed elders in every church, they prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The apostles appointed elders in every church. Now, an elder is a servant leader, and the word servant comes first. As I shared with you, I know what my authority is, but I also am aware of what my responsibilities are, and my responsibilities as an elder, as a leader in the church, far outweigh my authorities because God has not created this office so that me or anybody else might lord over his heritage, but we have been instructed to be examples to the flock. Amen. So that, you know, and that, that and again, that's a two-way two deal. I am not responsible. You are responsible for your relationship with the Lord. Amen. I'm here to teach it. You are responsible to receive it. You are responsible to filter what comes forth from this pulpit. Your relationship with God, your growth, your maturity, I'm to do everything in my power and er everything with the anointing of the Spirit of God to help you grow and mature in this faith on your own. Because it is not the will of God that your faith stand in any measure in your confidence or love for me. If I lose my mind, well, Sister Melissa's not here tonight. She always gets a kick out of this. If I lose my mind and I rob a bank or I shoot the Pope, you're not supposed to backslide because Brother Andy lost his mind. Amen? If something happens and I drop dead as a hammer, and that's, that's you know, it's going to happen one day anyhow. But, I mean, if it happens tonight, if I just drop off this thing right here, and I got to be careful because, oh, uh, uh, Brother Gary told me one time about a preacher. said, I'm ready to go right now if God were to drop me. And he dropped dead right there behind the pulpit. So I'm going to hang on to something. Your relationship with God is not dependent on your relationship with me. Your relationship with God is supposed to be so firm. You are to be so grounded in the faith that no matter what happens, nothing moves you from faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. Nothing moves you. No measure of disappointment, no measure of heartbreak, no measure of grief, no measure of anything moves you. Moves you from your firm foundation in Christ Jesus the Lord. That you take everything in stride with this knowledge. And it's a very simple principle that Sister Brenda teaches the children in the nursery class. Jesus loves me. This I know. I know. Jesus loves you, you know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Amen. And no matter what we face in life, beloved, that is the answer. 
I'm going to tell you stuff's going to happen that you're not going to be able to understand. You won't discern it. You won't see any logic in it. You won't see any reason for it. It will be patently unfair. But we live in a sin-cursed world, and beloved, that's just how it is. But we have this truth. The Lord God, omnipotent reigns. And by faith in his Son, we are his children. And they appointed elders in every church, every congregation, for the purpose of maintaining order, for the purpose of executing the services that the church provides to her members and also to folks who are lost out in that world. Why do I keep pointing that way? The world is, no, the world is, you know, there's world out this way too. I just never acknowledge it, I don't reckon. But the services we provide for the world, you know what the best service we provide for that world is, bud, you're lost you're lost as a day-old duck. If you were to drop dead right now, you're going to bust hell wide open. But I have good news for you. A man named Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, he hung on a cross, shed his blood, and died in your stead. And that if you'll believe on him with all of your heart, he will forgive you of your sins and save your soul. So that when that time comes, if you go through that doorway of death, you'll go through it. But you're going to enter the presence of God when you get there. And if you're alive and remain when the resurrection takes place in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be gone. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the service we render to a lost and dying world. That's the service we render to a world that hates our guts. And boy, that has never been more profoundly displayed as it has in the last couple of years. I knew there was people who didn't appreciate what we said. Because they folks out there, you tell them they're lost, man, they'll swing at you. Hey, bud, I'm just telling you the truth. Don't tell me I'm lost. Preacher, don't you tell me I'm a sinner. I tell him, look, I ain't saying, I'm telling you the Bible says, amen, what the word of God says. But we see such an, 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 a, a vitriol, a hatred for anything that has to do with God. There was some idiot. He had a shirt on, said, I hope Jesus comes back so we can kill him again. Can you imagine? What devil in hell come up with that? And that, and that poor, deceived man. I mean, personally, I find it offensive. But practically, it's humorous. <laughs> hey, son. Let, you know, you, you want to go up to that fellow and say, look, I've noticed your shirt. You said, let Jesus come back so we can kill him again. You're a little off. He is coming back. But when he does, ain't nobody going to kill him again. Let me share with you from the Word of God. You don't, this Jesus that you have, you don't even know who he is. If you had any idea of who Jesus is, if, if you would read the book of Revelation and use your imagination to try to get a visual on what he looks like right now, seated at the right hand of God the Father, what John saw on the Isle of Patmos, amen. I saw him. His hair was white. His eyes were a flame of fire. Praise God. He is holy. He is righteous. And all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto him. Beloved, when he comes back, ain't nobody, he ain't going to the cross again. No one's going to kill him again. You need to read the text 
When he comes back, the glory of his presence, when he touches the Mount of Olives, the very ground is going to split underneath his foot. He's going to blow through that blocked up eastern gate. He's going to enter that rebuilt temple. He is going to sit on the throne of his father David and he is going to rule with a rod of iron for 1,000 years. Praise God. You don't know who you're talking about, my friend. You better find out who this Jesus is that you so blatantly blaspheme. You don't know who he is. Praise God. You're on the wrong side, son. You're on the losing side. I appreciate, you know what Sister uh, Rebecca's uh, testimony is? I've read the back of the book, and we're on the winning side. I've heard her say that more times than I can remember. I've read the back of the book, and we're on the winning side. Praise God. And the Lord has appointed elders in every church, men who lead men who serve, and we've got them. Three in this congregation, we've got one pastoring in Demopolis, Alabama from a, the, the uh, incorporated, some of Pentecostal incorporated, one, a, an at-large elder. The Lord has blessed us, but the ministry and the work of folks, and we have outstanding leadership in this church. You, the brothers on the church council are outstanding. I mean, just... Uh, you, hear, you, you, you try to find a time. Let's see, Brother Andy, when was the last time you criticized a man on the council? If you can find one, you bring it to my attention because I don't do that. And, the, and you know why? Because they do a great job. Amen. They suck. I mean, they, they sacrifice. We got, we got guys hurting tonight because they were out here working and, and, and doing a work for the Lord in the kingdom of God. So... The church is led by elders, by folks who have uh, or are anointed and appointed to, to assist everyone, every member of the congregation in your ministry that God's called you to do. All ministry is not platform ministry. I didn't call myself into this. I was happy. I shared this with you. Man, I was happy. I wasn't unfulfilled. Man, I had it made. I loved it. Loved my wife. Loved my kids. Loved my church. Loved doing what I was doing. Love washing cars for missions and doing all this stuff. Man, I was content and happy. I didn't, you know, I didn't say, oh, God, please make me a preacher. If I had prayed then, I would have said, oh, God, please don't make me a preacher. This is the Lord's decision, not mine. Amen. The Lord does speak to us. And I, I was kind of back and forth with him while the choir was singing, Lord, do you really want but this is what he wants me to share with you, and, and I think it's in response, and I hope this will be a blessing to Brother Marvin and others. God speaks to us. Many years ago on a Wednesday night at the Sunville Church of God, Brother Dale Willingham had the service. I wasn't even preaching. And we were praying for folks in the altar. And I was standing right I can tell you where I was standing. I was standing right here beside the pulpit. I was praying for folks. Brother Willingham was standing there, and we was praying, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, son, one day you will pastor this church. And I said, okay. And I said, Lord, I doubt that. Because this church, you know, is a, it pays above the scale. And I don't think the overseer is going to let some poor old boy from Somerville 
pastor this congregation. I mean, it's just not, it just wasn't done back then, you know. So sometimes I just, because I couldn't embrace that idea, I couldn't conceive of it, I thought, well, that's impossible. Well, hello. Do you know that God will use our weaknesses to accomplish his purpose? Two other men served this congregation as pastor before me. And the reason for that is because I'm related to everybody in this church. One way or the other. In-laws, outlaws, up-laws. I love all of you. I consider all of you family. And the Lord used my own weakness because sometimes I get a little temper. Just you laughing at me. It's all right. You laugh. And I was, going, I was in Otis Grogan's truck and I was driving to Rome. And I was having a little talk with Jesus. I said, Lord, we can't get a new pastor every year. We can't, we'll never make it. And I was, ah. And I made a rash statement. And I, and I talked to myself. Of course, everybody in the Hutchins family talks to themselves. Those of you who know the Hutchins family from Barrington, Raccoon Creek, we all talk to ourselves. And I was talking to the Lord driving Otis' his truck because I didn't have a car to make it to Rome. I wanted to get something for the church. Ah. Lord, if they, if they come to me and ask me, I'll take it. Now, I just said that was an exasperation, but I shot my mouth off. And when I did, the entire environment in that truck changed. And I got big-eyed, and it occurred to me, uh-oh, I've just made a vow to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance what the Word of God says, that it is better for you not to make a vow to the Lord than to make a vow to the Lord and not keep it. So a few couple of days after that, a member of the pastoral selection committee comes up to me. He says, Brother Andy, I'd like to talk to you. Yeah, and I knew. I said, yeah, come on, talk to me. Well, we, we, we want to present you. I said, sure, do it. I said, but hear my story. I said, if, if, if the will of the, you know, of the conference, I'll do it. But the reason I'm doing it is because I shot my mouth off to God. And he put me in a corner. He used my own weakness against me. And I almost said, that ain't fair. But you don't tell God it ain't fair. And I said, and if that's what the conference wants to do, fine. Well, that's been many years ago, and the rest is history. God will speak to you. He'll speak to you. Amen. Recently, I like to go outside. Dorothy will tell you that there are times I just like to go outside, sit in a chair, and just be outside. Anybody like to be outside? I do. I like to be outside. We lived in a house for 19 years uh, owned by Mr. and Ms. Petty. And uh, I was out uh, in the driveway just looking, you know. And, oh, got to maintenance the baby. That's all right. If you love the baby, say amen. Amen. Love the baby. See, so, I, was, I was standing in the, in the uh, driveway, and I was looking at uh, the house next door that belonged to Mr. Smithson. If you all remember Mr. Smithson, used to run modern cleaners. He was 90-something years old out there mowing his grass. He used three different lawnmowers to mow that yard. And I always thought, why does Mr. Smithson use three lawnmowers to mow that yard? Because I've known him all my life. I've known Mr. Bob Smithson all my life. And he knew me. And I lived beside him for 19 years. But Mr. Smithson had passed. He went home to be with Jesus. And I'm standing there in the driveway, and I'm looking over at Mr. Smithson's house, and I thought to myself, I wonder who's going to move into Mr. Smithson's house. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you are. And I said, okay. Lord, just as soon as you rain down 
that mater- monetary blessing I ain't got. There's no way I can move into that house. It's a, it's a, to my, you know, it's a nice place. Mr. Smithson bought three lots, put his house in the middle because he, he didn't want anybody right on him. I don't blame him. And I'm thinking, wow. And then just a little later on, somebody, I think it was Judy, come up and said, Ooh, Andy, are you looking forward to moving into Mr. Smithson's house? And I said, I ain't moving into Mr. Smithson's house. She said, Oh, yeah, I think you are. God engineered circumstances. You know where I live today? In Mr. Smithson's house. The Lord will speak to us. There are other things he's spoken to us that have to do with me that's nobody else's business that I'm not going to share with you. But I'm, I, what I'm saying is that the church, we are the church. We have a role to play. And each one of us has a place in that. Amen. There is a place for us in the house of God. There is a place for us in the body of Christ. And it, it, if, if you remember the, the hubbub that, that came up uh, with the, the lady on the that program, The View, said all oh, p- people who think God speaks to them are, are mentally insane. My response to that was that if God didn't speak to me, I'd be out of the job. Amen. Because when I tell folks, look, I ain't that smart, I'm not. But the Lord is. And he uses us. Praise God. And the reason this church, the reason we are here and the circumstances God used to engineer us being here is because he is going to have a Pentecostal church. And he'll do whatever needs to be done. But this is going to carry on. Amen. The worship of the Lord in spirit and truth is going to continue. And there may be circumstances where people say well they want to abandon those principles that really the Lord has used to bless us so wonderfully they may but God is going to have a church and we are not the only church I mean we are we do not consist of the entirety of the body of Christ if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ he'll save you amen I don't care if you hang by your ankles in the jungles of South America you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will save you. I'm going to read one thing. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for conference tonight. But I, I want to read one statement made. How many of you uh, know a fellow by the name of Carter Conlon who's pastor of Times Square Church in New York? Ever heard of him? Ever heard Times Square Church Choir? Amen. Listen to what Brother Conlon said recently. And he's talking to us, Pentecostal folks. Amen. Lord, forgive us and help us. We made a terrible mistake in America. We got tired of being laughed at. We got tired of being called holy rollers. We got tired of being mocked, and we wanted to go uptown and not be on the wrong side of the tracks anymore. We wanted to become teacher, teacher and rabbi, Rabbi, we wanted certificates on our walls. We wanted to be considered smart by a perishing society. In fact, what we wanted was the praise of men more than the praise of God. So now we got all of our smart people running our churches and the whole country is going to hell in a handbasket. I'd rather be laughed at 
I'd rather be called a holy roller. I'd re- Listen, I'd rather be mocked and have the power of God upon my life. Woo! God, I don't care if people think me a fool as long as they find you. I read this, all I did a backslip flip out of my chair in my office. I said, well, brother, I want to agree with that prayer. Amen. There are a thousand one uh, church growth methods out there. We get stuff in the mail all the time. But there is one found in the Bible. We worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. And when we feel that the Lord is speaking to us, we do it. Amen. Praise God. And there may be times that we don't understand, Lord, why? But we'll understand it better by and by. And we also don't know what the effect of that obedience is going to be because we may not see the effect of that obedience immediately. But down the road, when the fruit is born, we see it. Thank you, Lord. The church is not a corporation. We're not a business We're a community. We are a family. We love one another. And we have one objective in mind. Heavenly Father, not my will, but your will be done. Stand with me all over the house. Folks, we got.